Hey y'all, and welcome to The Hill Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. We pray that this podcast will encourage you, will deepen your faith, and will inspire you to make Jesus famous. Let's dive into the message. Amen, amen, amen. They're pretty amazing. Got your Bibles, John chapter 19. As Cassie said, Church of My Peeps, grab some of those. Uh, it's incredible. It's we're excited about Easter. Good Friday. She talked about that. That's my favorite service of the year. Um, really, it is of all the of all the churches that I get to preach in and, uh, and, and revivals and all the stuff that God's blessed us to get to do. I think my favorite thing to do is our Good Friday service at the Hill. Um, it's incredible. So all of our churches are coming together here. Um, we're having a worship service, and so all the teams are coming together. So you're going to get to see some of the Bolivar team and Ashgrove team and Nevada team. It's going to be a lot of fun. You don't want to miss it. Um, continuing our series, Three Days to Grace, John chapter 19, <clears throat> verses 38 through 40. And, and here's what it says. It says, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to take away the body of Jesus and, gave, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body. But Nicodemus also, who had come earlier to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen cloths and spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. I think it's before I really get into it, we're talking the graves today as we're, we're talking on three days, three days to grace. Uh, but before I really get too far into it, I just think it's so funny that it says, Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple but secretly. I think it's so funny because a lot of us, we're so close to what God has for us. We're so close to the things that God has commissioned or called us to do. We're so, Joseph Arimathy was so close to doing what God had commanded. He was so close to following fully, but secretly. And, and if I was honoring, I would say here, I would say, touch your neighbor, tell them they got a butt problem. <laughs> but I'm not honoring, so I'm not going to say it. Don't do it. I would never say that. But because I wouldn't say that, I'll move on. Seek, I love, I love, secretly. As a matter of fact, notice who he teams up with, y'all. He teams up with Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night. So you have two guys that want to follow Jesus, but they're afraid of what may happen in their world. They're afraid of going all the way in. See, sometimes in our walk, we're afraid to go all the way in. We're afraid to give him access to every part of our life. So we're saying, I'll give you this area, but I'm hanging on to this. But secretly, I got some stuff. I'm giving you this part of my world, but I don't really trust you in this. I don't trust you in my finances. I don't trust you in my relationships. I don't trust you with my friend. I'll give you this area that, you can, that, that, that can be yours. But secretly, we're keeping some stuff. Can I tell you that this public faith has no room for private expression? It's so funny because here's what we say in our walk. We say, and I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm saying this is what we all say. We say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but it's personal for me. It's a personal face. I don't really talk about it. I don't really use it. Like, I don't, I don't like push it on people. It's personal. And I agree. When Jesus died on the cross for you guys, it was personal. Like, if no one else in the world, he would do it again just for you. It was personal. Amen. But he didn't die privately. He died publicly. It's interesting that if he died publicly, there'd be no reason for us to serve him privately. So if we're going to serve him publicly, it ought to be in every part of our life. It ought to show up in the way we work, the way we live, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way our relationships are. It ought to show up in our checkbook. It ought to show up in the way we hunt and fish. Come on, somebody. It ought to show up in every area of your world. Amen. Because there's no room 
mistaken this public faith for a private expression. It's personal, but not private. If he wanted it private, he would have died privately. But he didn't. He took public shame for you. I think it's time some of us live publicly for him. It's time we quit separating that line of what's personal. It is. But it's still public. It's still public, right? Jesus in this setting of scripture, the disciples, man, they, everything, he was everything to them. Like he was their hope. He was their, he was their future. They had, they had quit jobs, quit careers, left families. Like they had given everything for this cause. They had given everything that they had for the hope of Jesus Christ. And he died. Have you been in that place where it felt like all hope was gone? Have you been in that place where it felt like your future and, and your dream, like everything just didn't work out the way you hoped? Like, like these guys, like, like, like they were hoping for it. They were hoping and then Jesus is just dead. And, and I get it that they felt like their faith was dead. I get it. I've been there. I, 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 hate, to, I hate to admit it in a room full of people, but I've been there where I felt like my faith was just like on life support. I felt like my faith was just kind of dead. Like they, these guys, they were discouraged. They were desperate. They were confused. I'm sure they were asking each other, is he really like Peter's looking at James and like, is he really dead? And of course, Thomas said, I doubt it. And, and, and they're talking to one another like, is it real? Is it really over? Is it gone? Is, 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 is really this what we have to look forward to from now on out? Is, is this... Is this it? Is this it? So, so my question is this. Where do you go in the waiting? <laughs> where do you go when you're waiting from death to come to life? Where do you go when you're waiting for the promise to be fulfilled to you? Where do you go when you're waiting for, for the next thing? Where do you go when you're waiting? How many of you guys like waiting? If you do, I hate you. Come on. <laughs> I don't hate you. I don't hate you. That's wrong. I don't like your personality if you like to wait. Because you're the guy that makes me late for stuff. My, that's my wife's job is to make me late for stuff. And I have four kids. That's their job. I don't need any help from you waiters. I didn't wake. I never woke up one time, Randy, and said, Lord, somehow today, when I have to go to Springfield, if you can make every light red so I can just wait a little longer. I, there's no part of me that's, you know what I've never done? I've never one time for fun called the credit card company. When I, when I had to do a fraud, with our, we, we do a fraud like on a weekly basis, it seems like. And I call them and I'm like, hey, um, we got some fraudulent stuff on my credit card. And, and the credit card company's like, they're like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to you in the order you called. And, and there's 4,642 people ahead of you. I never one time was like, sweet, thank you, Father, for this moment that I have to wait on hold. We were in uh, Anchorage <laughs> this last week, and, and there's a place called Moose's Tooth Pizza. And, and, and matter of fact, when I said that in Bolivar, we have some Alaska people in our, at the Bolivar campus, and they like cheered. They, they love Moose's Tooth. Um, they don't love a Moose's Tooth. They love Moose's Tooth Pizza. And so we go to this pizza place, and, and, and Megan goes in to check, and, and they're like, yeah, it's a 15-minute wait. So we were like, bet, man, this place is packed. Only 15 minutes. So we get our 12 people, two families with four kids in each family. We, we, we pile out of our rigs, and we go inside, and we wait. All right, five minutes to go. I waited 10 minutes. Come on, Jesus. Moose is two pizza. <sighs> okay, let's go. 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in. No big deal. Just 20 minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes, 
45 minutes, an hour into it, I'm frustrated. Now, I've preached that we changed the word frustrated to fascinated and see how it changes our attitude. It didn't help. <laughs> My fascinated face was like this. I walked up and I said, hey, um, I'm, I'm, okay, Bo, you're a man of God. <laughs> Be good. And I went, hey, young lady, I have a question. You told us in 15 minutes, but it's been an hour. And she was like, she was like, oh, I am so sorry, sir. See, what had happened was, I was like, no, no, I don't care what happened. I just want to go sit down so I can eat pizza. She was like, she was like, oh, okay, sir. But here's the problem. It's 20 more minutes. I went, I'm, I'm sorry? I'm sorry? 20 more minutes? She was like, yes, sir. And I went, but it was only 15 minutes an hour ago. How is this possible? And she goes, well, what had happened? I was like, no, 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 no. I don't care what happened. What's the problem? What are we going to do to fix it? And she said, you're going to wait 20 more minutes. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, I, if I'd have known it was going to take an hour, I would have been okay with it. You didn't tell me that. Told me 15 minutes. So we waited an hour and a half to go get our pizza. It was, now the, the truth is, Megan, that's her, she's like, oh, this is fine. Let's go look at the mountains. I fractured my tailbone, I think, a couple weeks ago. So I can't sit down. I can't stand. I can't walk. I'm hurting. I'm hungry. And I just want a stinking moose's tooth pizza. And we got it an hour and a half later. And then the waiter was 45 minutes. It was good. It was a, it was a good experience. Waiting. I hate waiting. But the reality is, guys, God has spoke some stuff to me that I'm still waiting to walk in. Maybe God has told you some things or spoke some things to you or there's some dreams that you have that you're still waiting for them to come. See, when it comes to waiting with God, I don't like it, but I know that he's spoken. And I can know if he spoke it that he intends on doing it because his word that holds the sun in the sky is the same word that spoke some stuff to me. So until the sun falls out of the sky, I can know he's going to do what he said he was going to do. Yeah. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I'm convinced, but I still hate waiting. So me and Jesus have this conversation often. I was thinking about Noah. <laughs> I was thinking about Noah. Noah, God speaks to Noah and says, Noah, build an ark. Now, I don't know how God spoke to Noah. I think Moses got a burning bush, so I feel like Noah may have got a talking platypus. Come on, somebody. I don't know. I wonder if, if, if it was a burning bush or if it was an angel of the Lord or if it was something totally different. Maybe, maybe it was just something in his heart. Maybe when the word came to Noah, it wasn't a verbal. It was a thought in his heart and in his mind that said, Noah. Maybe it wasn't a Noah. Maybe it was a So this conversation ensues, and, and Moses goes, not Moses, sorry, wrong guy. Noah goes, no, Moses didn't build the ark. Noah, go, Noah looks at God, and he's like, build an ark. God, what's an ark? And God's like, oh, an ark's a boat. And, Mo, and Noah's like, a boat? Okay, cool, I'll do it, God. But the problem is, see, what had happened? I don't hear what had happened. Just build a boat. And Noah's like, but I live in the desert. And, and God's like, I know, build a boat. And he says, but there ain't no water. And he said, oh, I'll bring the water. You build the boat. And he's like, how? And he said, oh, I'm going to make it rain. And he said, okay, what's rain? He said, oh, gosh, I forgot. Water's going to fall from the sky. And Noah was like, oh, gosh. 
But this crazy cat goes and buys a hammer and nails. He walks to the hardware store. Hank, I need 400,000 nails. Got to build a boat. It's like a football field. Hank, give me the nails and go for wood. So he starts building. The Bible says it took him like 100, 120 years to build this boat. Now, I, I'm, that, that we can't fathom that. We're like, oh, cool, Bible story. So I thought, we got to make this real. So I had my math person, Megan, help me there. And we figured, according to how long we roughly live and according to how long he roughly was and how long he lived, that would have been like an hour, if it was you or if it was me, 10, like almost 10 and a half years it took him to build a boat. Now, he worked on it day in, day out. I want you to I want you to fathom this, that for 10 years, you're working on something, you're building something and seeing no fruit of your labor. You work for 10 years without a paycheck. How many of y'all keep that job? I had, a, I had a job one time that didn't like to give me paychecks and I kept it too long. <laughs> they, the computer system kept getting messed up and I just kept not getting paychecks. It was frustrating and I quit. <laughs> He did it for 10 years. Just kept hammering. For you, for him it's 120. But for you, 10 years, John, of building, seeing no rain, seeing no animals. I think if it would have been me about year two, I would have said, God, I'm out. Like, I ain't got this in me anymore. Call someone else. Call someone else. But Noah kept building. And about year five, I would have said, I'm too old for this. But Noah kept building. And about year nine for me, I would have said, I got kids. We got ball. We got stuff. I'm trying to raise them. I ain't got time. But Noah kept building. I'm convinced because God told Noah so you and your family may be saved. I'm convinced that Noah didn't do it for Noah. Noah did it for his kids. Maybe there's some stuff in your life you need to do not for you, but for your children or your grandchildren. Maybe the, I'm going to go into this another time in a few months, but maybe the boat you're building isn't something that you may ever even ride on, but maybe it saves your kids. Can I tell you it's worth it? Can I tell you that if all it is for, it's worth it? No, Noah builds this thing. 10 years of your life, can you fathom that? 10 years of your life with no rain and no animal. Well, finally he builds it and the animal starts showing up and, 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 and two gigantic elephants walk up the ramp. When they get in the, they get in the thing and, and then there were some, by the grace of God, white-tailed deer. Come on, somebody. Anybody in the house? They come running up there. There were, there were two big, a big old tom and a big old hen, and a hen. Come, he come up with a big old waddle strutting up the ramp. And, and again, the platypi or two platypi. I don't know how to say plural platypus. So I call it platypi. Two platypi come scurrying up the ramp. I kid you not. There was a giraffe that frolicked. I kid you not, it frolicked up the ramp. These, these animals came from all over, two by two, some seven. Fill this boat. And Noah's like, oh, God, you did it. The boat is full. The boat is full. You're so good, God. The boat is full. But then there was a problem. The animals came, but it didn't rain for seven days. Like, I was trying to fathom this. And if God told me to build a boat, and he go put elephants and water buffalo and other creatures that have gigantic bowel movements. <laughs> so I am hiring someone on, on duty duty. <laughs> I just thought of that. That's all you're going to remember is the word duty duty. Like I'm picturing. Because can I tell you sometimes in the work of God, it feels like all you deal with is other things 
junk. It feels like you're working and you're waiting and you're praying for rain and you're waiting and you're stressing and you're waiting and you're hoping and you're waiting and people are hurting you and you're waiting and you're afraid and you're waiting and and you start to stress out and you're waiting and it feels like all hope is losing and you're waiting. Your faith is, is going out and you're waiting and you got a boat full of animals, a boatload of animals and you're waiting. And you're waiting, and you're waiting. No rain. Can I tell you that rain is a nuisance unless you got seed in the ground? If you got some seed in the come on somebody. If you got some seed in the ground, how many of y'all know you praying for rain? But if you ain't got rain, it just ruins your hike. If you ain't got seed in the ground, the rain just ruins your fun. But if you got something in the ground that you believe in. See, Noah said, I have seed in the ground and I'm waiting on the rain. Can I tell you that I have some seed, my wife and I have some seed in the ground and we're waiting on the rain. Maybe you have some seed in the ground and you're waiting on the rain. Can I tell you, the rain is on its way. Noah looks around. He's like, no rain. You kidding me after all this? No rain. And he just waits. I don't know, like, after 120 years, what's seven more days? But the problem is you spend 120 years building the ark. Maybe you're afraid it's going to take another 120 years for the rain to come. See, sometimes we get lost in the grave season after the death and before the resurrection. We get lost in these areas where we're saying, I just don't know how much longer. I talk to, I counsel people, and this is a conversation. How much longer is it going to take? And you know what my answer is always going to be? I don't know. But it's worth it. It's worth it. I don't know. I can't answer it. But the rain's coming. Because you didn't ask for the rain. You didn't ask. To, I didn't ask to build the ark. He told me to. That means he better bring the rain. It's not my job. These disciples, these women, these people, their hope was gone. Like they had, gi- they had given up. I want to encourage you, don't quit on day, on day six. The rain's coming. These disciples, they had gotten together and they were discouraged and, and, and all hope was lost and hope was in the grave and, 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 it, and it was gone and Jesus was gone and they were struggled. I've often, I feel like we quit on day two, but he rose again on day three. Amen. See, the reality is, guys, he went to the cross to fight life for you. He went to the grave to fight hell for you, but he rose again to bring heaven to you what it was about, right? Don't rush it. Wait for it. (laughs) Don't rush it. Wait for it. But see, my problem is, can I just be real with you guys? My problem is I feel like I can do it myself. Is there any other people that would be, okay, there's a few of us and the rest of you guys, you'll wait. Too. Like I, I remember, I was, I was in, and not just this is true. I was, we were playing ball. Um, I was a youth pastor at the time. We were playing this college, this college team, and just like a tournament they have with some churches. And I remember thinking, just give me the ball. I just want the ball. Like I'll pass, but just get, let, let me have the ball first. And I'm going to drive, and I'm going to do what I got to do. Just give me the ball. See, that, that happens a lot in our life. We think just I can do it. Just give me the ball. I can do it myself. I don't need any help. 
I'll do it myself. See, there's times in our life with God, we're saying, God, you haven't done what I thought you were going to do. So I'll take the ball, get out of the driver's seat, and let me drive from now on out. I'll take it. Let me drive from here on. Let me drive. In Acts chapter 7, let's look at what this says. Verses 40 and 41, talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. It says, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. As they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the work of their hands. See, the problem was Moses had went up in the mountain and, and I think they were all supposed to go, but they didn't. And so you got Moses on the mountain and, 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 and they're down there and they're going, Aaron, where's Moses? Aaron, where's Moses? Aaron, when's Moses coming? Aaron, I literally feel like I'm talking to Briley when Megan's gone. When's mama coming home? When's mama coming home? When's mama coming home? When's mama coming home? And I'm like, it sounds like a rap. Too white, not gonna happen. Where's Aaron? Aaron, where's Moses? Aaron, where's Moses? Aaron, Aaron, we want Mo Aaron, 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 Aaron. And the problem is, when you're in the season of waiting, you have to guard who can speak into your life. Because if you allow people to speak into your life that are negative or that are doubting or that are gripers, they will literally gripe you out of the promise that God has for you. Amen. They'll gripe you right out of it. They'll talk you, they'll convince you out of something that God has called you to. Where's Aaron? Moses, Aaron, where's Moses? Aaron, 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 Aaron. What? Make for us a God that we can feel. Make for us a God that we can see. The problem is we trade an eternal promise for a tangible presence for right now, for a moment. We, we, we want this, Aaron, Aaron, Moses, Aaron, Moses, Aaron, this is the conversation. They were, they were like, Aaron, Moses said he would be back in 15 minutes with a pizza, and it's taken an hour and a half. Aaron, make for us a God that we can worship. We can do it ourselves. I'm always leery. I have a guy that I really like to follow. Um, he's very very famous, but and he's a great motivational speaker, but he talks a lot about that. And I think it's cool that he did it, but I, I think that I can't do it, and you can't do it. Can I, we say that, we, I can do it. No, you can't. You know why? Because it's already been done. He already did it. He already did it. So when I have a mindset, or when you have a mindset, I can do it myself, can I tell you that's anti-kingdom? And I'm going to go a step further and say that's anti-Christ. Because Christ said you need the body. He literally said, you can't do it alone. You might be a great brain, but you need a colon to func function properly. I'm going to get a shirt. I'm the colon. Right? No, for real. And I've said this before. You might be the armpit of the church. I'm not calling you stinky. I'm saying that without you, we can't reach. And that's what we're called to do is reach. Because without, without the armpit, we don't have an arm. See, I, I'm saying that, that there's, there's times and there's places we feel like we can do it alone, but that's not what God called us to do. He said, you have resources of people. Use them. Use them. These guys... They were, they were rejoicing in the wrong thing, rejoicing in the works of their hands at the idol they made. They were rejoicing in the wrong thing and the wrong method. It was all wrong. 
it's crazy. I, I, I remember this time. Um, I, I was playing basketball when I was in third grade, and I was tough. Come on, somebody. I had my swimming trunks on because after the game, I was hitting the beach. Come on, somebody. There, we were playing this game, and, and let's say this, I was the point guard, so we were going that, to that goal. They threw me the ball, and when I caught it, I turned around, and the other team was pressing. Now, I'm in third grade, got my swimming trunks on. We think we're the red team. Uh, we're the best team. We're the red team. Come on, somebody. And, and I catch the ball, and I look at them, and they're pressing me. And I was like, what manner of man is this? What on earth is this thing they're doing? Like, I didn't understand because my coach didn't tell me they could press. I didn't know they could play defense that far. I thought they'd be in their half a half court. But apparently in this game, there were certain rules that you could guard people the whole time. <laughs> I didn't know. And so when I caught the ball, I was like, oh, he's guarding me. And I was a pretty good ball handler, but I, what do I do? So I looked, I looked, I looked, and then it dawned on me what had happened. They all were confused. The other nine guys were confused. And that was my goal. So I turned. I made this beautiful shot. And money. And I was like, boo, yeah. And everybody started laughing. The ref's like, oh, the kid scored two points for the red, the blue team. And I was like, wrong. Well, I had scored on the wrong bucket for the wrong team. But I was confused because they were pressing, and that's not fair. And my coach didn't tell me, and the ref didn't help me. I'm in third grade. I don't know the rules. I'm in third grade. My point is, in the pressing, See, the enemy, he's going to be pressing, and in the pressing, in the pressing, it gets very confusing. So in the pressing, when you're confused, don't make rash decisions because you'll end up scoring for the wrong team. In the pressing, when you're confused, is not when you just react. It's not when you just do. It's when you take a breath and look and watch. I can blame it on my coach, who was my dad. I've gotten over it. I can blame it on my coach all I want to, but I was in the game. See, you can blame it on your dad all you want to. You can blame it on your boss all you want to. You can blame it on every, you can, I could blame it on the ref. I could blame it on the team for not supporting me. But the, raw, the bottom line is I was the one that made the wrong decision. And there's no one to blame but me. I was the one that made a foolish decision. What I should have done, caught the ball, turned, and boom, the pressing happened. And boom, they were right in my face. And I should have took a breath and looked for my coach. Come on, somebody. Because how many of y'all know the coach on the sideline has a vantage point that y'all don't have? He can see things that you can't see. He can see the way the defense is moving. He can see people that are open. If I would have made eye contact with the coach, he would have gave me direction for the next step. Now, here's my point. You have some coaches in your life, and if not, you better get them. Some coaches that are in your life that are cheering you on, that are giving you advice, that are helping you get through. And when you get pressed, take a breath and look to your coach, godly counsel, and say, what do I do? Because you know what? If they're pressing me, it tells me I have a teammate open somewhere. You know what my job is? I got to find them. You may feel alone. You may feel like you're double teamed, but the coach is saying, no, 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 no. So-and-so's open. The Holy Spirit will tell you, no, no, no. I know you feel alone. I know you feel alone, but Justin's there. I know you feel alone, but Rachel, I know you feel alone, 
but she's there for you. Because you have a coach. You have a God that's watching. You have godly counsel that are watching, that are helping direct your path. Catch the ball and breathe. If you've made the wrong decision, fix it. Don't live with it. Don't lose the game over it. Repent and get it right. Fix it. Go the other, go, go the other way. My mom told me when I was young, just starting in the work world, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to take this other job. And she said, take it. And if you get there and hate it, call your other boss back and say, I screwed up. And go back to your friend. I went, oh, okay. That's a good idea. Fix it. Catch your breath. Look to your coach. Find your teammates. And then advance the ball. Amen. These guys, they were stressed saying, where's Moses? Our hope is gone. It's taken too long. An hour and a half for a 15-minute wait, God. Why? Why me? Why now? Why come? Why come? I'm confused. And, and they talked, excuse me, they talked Aaron into building this calf and they rejoiced at the work of their hands. And it's crazy because they gave up what they wanted most for what they wanted in the moment. And it cost them everything. Can I tell you, it says they sacrificed for the idol. Can I tell you, in those times, in the pressing and in the confusion, in the middle of the wait, and you make a rash decision, you get exactly what you wanted, but then you find out you never really wanted it all along. Can I, can I tell you, you get what you wanted, but then you realize it's not what you needed. I've, I've said it and I'll say it to the day I die. When we give up what we think we want, it allows him to give us what he knows we need. Amen. He, he's looking. They lost everything. Aaron's looking at this golden calf. Moses comes down the mountain and several Israelites in that moment died. They got what they wanted in the moment. But they lost the hope of the future. Guys, don't give up too soon. Don't give up before it's time. I remember. <laughs> Guys, don't waste it. Wait on it. Don't waste it. Wait on it. I remember probably five years ago, four four years ago, I was going to see, some of y'all remember this name, Miss Winona. Uh, she was an amazing saint, man. She's 95 years old, I think, when she passed. And I went to her house, and she, she'd call everybody kid. So that means if you're really young, like Megan, she'd call you a kid. If you're really not so young like my dad, she'd call you a kid. My mom's young, though. That's right. Chocolate chip cookies, thank you. Uh, she called everybody a kid, and, I, and she said, kid, I want you to come to my house. I'll make you a pizza boat. And she'd make me these pizza boats with a Pepsi, glory to God. And, and these pizza boats were French bread with pizza on them. And then she would cook a whole bunch more ground beef and put it on top with cheese. And that thing, like, you could barely get your mouth around it. It was so good. So I went over there for our, 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 our Wednesday pizza boat or our Thursday pizza boat. And I went over there, and I sat down, and she brought me my pizza boat. She goes, there you go, kid. And I took a bite of my pizza boat. I was so excited. I took a bite, and as I pulled it away, I realized that the hamburger hadn't been cooked. I didn't say that. I was like, <laughs> this is fascinating. <laughs> what am I going to do right now? So, gulp. Why, Nona? 
Miss Winona, I, this thing isn't cooked all the way. She goes, kid, did I forget to cook it? I'll take care of it right now. So she gets it. She puts it in the oven. <laughs> she turns it. She cooks it for me in a, a little while longer. And, and she brings it back to me. And I take another bite. And I think, oh, it's hot. It's crispy. I take a bite and I pull it away. And I realize the hamburger still wasn't cooked. The devil is a liar. I begin to pray in other tongues. <laughs> no weapon formed against me shall prosper. <laughs> I can drink deadly poison and it will not harm me. I can tread on scorpions. Come on, somebody. Like, I realized why they prayed over food in that moment. Because they were afraid. The disciples were afraid of dying of Salmonella. It's fair. I got it. I really did. I was like, okay, Jesus. You said eat whatever's put before you. If this isn't good, you get Salmonella, not me. <laughs> Worship team, come on up. My, my point, my point is simple. I, I wish I would have waited 10 more minutes for a fully cooked pizza and fully cooked hamburger. See, I think there's times in our life that God's trying to do stuff, but we rush it. We don't wait for it. We, we, we push it along too quick. We don't wait for everything that he has. And I'm just saying, I wish I would have waited 10 more minutes for a fully cooked pizza. I get what's going on in this setting of Scripture of the Grave. I get that a few chapters earlier, a woman, this woman of a sinful life, busted an alabaster jar and pulled it, pulled the, poured the perfume all over the feet of Jesus, signifying an anointing for his burial. But the anointing wasn't just for his burial. It was an anointing to resurrect. I get what she was doing. I get what Joseph, I, I get what Nicodemus did. He said, I came by night before. I'm redeeming my night moment by giving you what I have. I'm going to lavish everything I have out on the body of Christ. I get what Joseph did. Symbolically, I get what Joseph did. Joseph was saying, listen, God, you can have my tomb. It, it was signifying to us that the tomb was never meant for us. It was saying that he took your place on the cross and he took your place in the grave. Get, I get the women that were coming. And then at the very beginning of the next chapter, I get it. They were coming to anoint him because it was the Sabbath the day before, and they couldn't do it then. So they were coming, they were coming then on his third day. They were coming to anoint the body and prepare him for his his, his, his the resting place. I get it. But but maybe. Maybe, maybe they were saying, I remember he said something about a third day resurrection. So I'm going to go back on day three. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to go back on day four and back on day five and back on day six and back on day 10 and back on day two. I'm going to keep coming back until Jesus does what he said he was going to do. Amen. <laughs> I get it. What I don't get is the disciples. I don't get the disciples. I don't get. They left everything and gave up on it in three days. Where were they at? Joseph of Arimathea was a quiet follower. These women, quiet. But the guys that walked with him and watched him raise Lazarus from the dead, watched him feed thousands, watched him raise a little girl back to life, watched him heal, heal the sick, watched him cast out demons, watched him walk on water, ain't nowhere to be found. They ain't nowhere to be found. They're nowhere. It's interesting that they were looking around, but the women went to the grave. I think a lot of us, 
we're searching in the midst of the waiting, we're searching for a way. In the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the pressing, in the midst of the aggravation, the anticipation, in the midst of the anxiety, we're looking for a way or a way out. And Jesus said, oh, <laughs> you got it confused. You're looking for a way, but I am the way. Amen. There's no way to the Father except through me. I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the road to the reality. I'm the answer to your pain. In the waiting, it's really easy to rush it. In the waiting, it's really easy to wait for it. It's really, really tough to wait. In the waiting, it's really, 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 really easy to waste it and say, I'm just moving on. I'm saying that God has a promise for you. Wait 10 more minutes. Right? For Noah, wait, wait 120 years for you. Wait 10 years for, for the rain. Listen, don't quit on day four. Wait till day seven for, for the, the people with Moses. Wait till day 40. He's coming back down from the mountain. For the disciples, don't give up on day two. Wait for day three. For me, wait 10 minutes till the pizza's done. I want to get to this place in my life where I'm saying, God, I'll wait as long as you tell me to wait. Because when I stand before you, I want to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in. Great is your reward. I don't want to hear, oh, you was medium rare. Depart from me, I never knew you. It was private for you, but it was public for me. Oh, I want to hear, well done. You waited. You held fast. Well done. You built the ark. Well done. You waited 40 days. Well done. You waited 10 minutes. You waited an hour and a half for the pizza. Well done. Well done. Just bow your heads all over this place. God, I thank you that you're the way, the truth, and the life. Way. Don't quit on day two. He comes out of the grave on day three. 
I want to encourage you. The promise will be fulfilled. Not one word of his would be spoken that will fall to the ground. Thank you, God, that you do everything you said you were going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take 60 seconds and we're just going to wait and let the worship team sing. And we're just going to wait and allow God's presence to speak to us. And then we'll close. Then we'll go. Someone will come pray over service. Don't click out just yet. We're so excited that you could join us today. Don't forget to like and share this message. And also subscribe to our podcast channel so that the latest message is always waiting on you. If this ministry has had an impact on your life, we would love to connect with you via social media on Instagram and Facebook. We would also love to see you in person at one of our many locations. For service times and locations or to give to this ministry, you can download our app or visit us online at www.thehill.us. We can't wait to hear from you and all that God is doing in your life. Have a blessed week and we'll see you next time right here on The Hill Podcast.